podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'll only be a minute. Come in with me. What is HomeSense, anyway? Look, outdoor furniture is in. Hey, that's a great brand. And it's a six-piece set. Check out this price. Are you sure that's not just the nope. table? No, chairs, too. Is this an outdoor rug? It is. It's nicer than our indoor rug. Outdoor ottomans, planters, patio umbrellas. Are you seeing these prices? You save a lot at HomeSense. This is the year we love our backyard. Can I say something? Yes. I'll get the truck. And that is why I love you. Save on outdoor like never before at HomeSense. Discover a store near you at HomeSense.com. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Hello, good evening and welcome to the Fatback 4 Daily. It is Tuesday night and, listen, there's no football to speak about, so we decided we were going to pick a World Eleven. We asked loads of people, um, basically, about positions, goalkeeper and the back four being the, the big ones um, yesterday and today. And we put it to a Twitter poll and there was some interesting results. Tonight's show is brought to you by Paddy Power, a bookies, a website and an app. If you gamble, please gamble responsibly and remember to do so with Paddy Power. With me tonight will be Phil and will be Keith. And oh, I'm not going to lie to you, there's going to be more. Here we go. <laughs> And here we go. Anybody that has been following our Twitter today will see that we've decided to pick a World eleven, starting from goalkeeper, going through the back four, a midfield three and a forward three. We've concentrated in the last 24 hours or so on goalkeeper and back four. With me tonight is Phil and Keith. And as I said in the intro, there's going to be war because... um. At the first sight of the first poll, Phil had a complete breakdown. He broke out two bottles of wine, two bottles of gin, mixed them into a big barrel and started drinking them through a straw. Phil, have you calmed down at all yet? Sorry, Gav, I'm just here self-isolating at the moment. Yeah. yeah. And is that just because is that just to keep you yourself away from people or is it anything to do with the virus? Just because I hate people in general, they're all bankers. Yeah, I thought so. I thought so. Yeah. Uh, Chris is on. He says, good evening. Avo says the same. Um, Chris Brack says, fullback should have been Maldini and Lamb. Lamb was great. A right back or left back. to be to be talk about that in a few minutes. Don't worry about it. Um, we absolutely will get there. We absolutely will. Now, right. So this is the way it's going to work, right? We put these polls out um we spoke and we asked a couple of different people about certain players we got a list together we threw them out there people were happy with them people were unhappy with them people wanted different players in so throughout the series of pods throughout the week we will be putting and discussing the twitter polls and the results of that and the winners and losers on top of that we're going to pick an alternative world 11 as we go and put the two teams against each other at the end of the week and see who comes out on top i think that's the fairest way to do things so phil i want to come to you first and the goalkeepers so, yeah. the goalkeepers uh, that were put up for this was Buffon, right. Casillas, right. um, Schmeichel, yeah. and the last one, I think, was, it might have been Oliver Kahn. Um, can, can I, do you want me to double check so that we aren't making no, a mistake no, here? I'll, I'll it was check. Oliver Kahn, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll double check it here well, as we go. But, Come on, I. So, just, um, 
first of all, I know you got very upset from the off. Um, yeah. The results were Can um, with 12%, Schmeichel with 19%, Casillas with 19%, Buffon with a massive 51%. Phil, those four goalkeepers, I, I know you don't agree with, with, with Buffon as the, the best goalkeeper since 1990, but first of all, Give us a little word on, on, on the four of them. Who would you have picked out of them for? And is there somebody outside of them for that you'd like to put forward as an alternative in the alternative World Eleven? Okay, so look, the Buffon thing is basically generated by hipster bullshit, right? So like every fucking hipster wanker is going to pick fucking Buffon, mainly because Buffon, 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 and they've been listening to gob- gobshites Buffon about Buffon for the best part of 10 years now at this stage, mm-hmm. who proclaim to be Liverpool fans, but are actually arseholes of the highest order and fucking snort Dorito dust constantly in wardrobes because they've been self-isolating for the best part of four years, despite knowing where they live in a fucking wardrobe. But uh, look, there's only one choice in that four that's there, right? Buffon was a phenomenal goalkeeper, did everything brilliantly. His longevity was excellent, did amazing things with Juventus in a league that was basically had one team and did great things for Italy, right? Mm-hmm. Not going to denigrate him as, as a player because I think he, he's a smash and he's one of the top goalkeepers. But we're talking about the best generational player from 1990 and is he the best generational player from 1990 I don't think so I think in 10 years time people will remember Buffon a bit like they remember exactly so then you look at <laughs> you look at Oddie Khan right Khan falls in the exact same bracket right I'd actually argue that Bodo Ilgner was a better German goalkeeper than Oddie Khan and even Jordan Khan's reign like you had a number of German goalkeepers who challenged him for that number one jersey at Germany and we're potentially talked about transfers to Bayern Munich so you know again I have no idea what Cannes is doing there outside the fact that he had blonde hair and played in the 1990 treble thing and I think there's so much recency bias in people's votes it's stupid basically right mm-hmm. Schmeichel out of the four of them is the only choice Schmeichel changes goalkeeping in the 90s okay. fundamentally changed how goalkeeping how goalkeeping how goalkeepers played did and we're looked at, right? They stop being just the guys who stop shots mm-hmm. and suddenly distribution comes into the game. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for me, there's no there's no even question mark. Among the four that was put up there, Schmeichel is so far ahead of the rest that it's ridiculous to have a poll, right? That's, and that, that was why I got annoyed. And then when I saw the results, it's like, they're going, hipster bollocks. It's like so, fucking picking some random lad, Maurizio Gantz of Sensible World of Soccer mm-hmm. in 1998 <laughs> okay. and claiming he was going to be the next greatest striker of all time. All right? Okay. Yep. Okay, so... Outside <laughs> choice, Gav. Outside choice. Mm-hmm. Right, for me, the one name that should have been on there is another German goalkeeper and wasn't. And he's the only one that can step up to uh, Schmeichel's mark over the past 20 years or 20 years or whatever, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that's Manuel Neuer because he's okay. the next goalkeeper that changes the face of goalkeeping. Because the goalkeepers we have today mm-hmm. are directly related to what um, Neuer did. And I'm just on Casillas, right? Because I haven't got to him. I think Casillas, for what he did and the trophies he won, deserves to be the number two on this above Buffon. And okay. that's because like, you're talking, champ- he, he dominated the game from a trophy perspective of all the ones we're talking about. And he deserves to be in there in the top two recognition. But for me... If you're going to pick it, you have to pick a goalkeeper who changes the way goalkeeping was played. Okay. And that would be either Neuer or Schmeichel. Avo, one of those for me. Avo agrees with you um, on the um, 
sorry, Chris Brack says Buffon was the only one of those not for not to win a Champions League. Um, Avo says when Casillas was in goal for Real Madrid when we beat them four 0 he's outstanding. It should have been about ten nil if it wasn't for him. Uh, Stephen O'Connor's gone on to right backs, and Stephen, we will get to that. Keith, yeah, Phil's given a good rundown there on those goalkeepers. You know, I'm going to say it out straight. I I was surprised by the poll. Um, I, I didn't think Khan would win it. Um, I didn't think Casillas would win it, but I was surprised Schmeichel didn't. And I don't know whether that's because it's a poll from a Liverpool podcast looking. But if you if you talk to people about with regards to Schmeichel, they go, "Listen, that fella was just." You know, people talk about Cantona in the early, you know, from '93 onwards. Um, you know, and he remember he he leaves United in '97. He only does four years at United, I think. But they, they speak of him as being the, the the big thing. Schmeichel was the biggest signing they ever made, in my opinion, and. All right, Buffon, you know, longevity and stuff like that. Where do you stand on these for? And is there anybody outside of that, i.e. Neuer? Because Avo agrees with Phil on that point. Neuer should have been in there as well. Yeah, I can agree sort of with, with the Neuer point, similar to what Phil said about Schmeigel. They did sort of change the way goalkeepers played the game. And another one that I would have thrown into the mix is again another United keeper, Edwin van der Sar. I think Edwin van der Sar was a great keeper over the past 20-odd years as well mm. for different teams. You know, he played for Ajax, he's done it for Juventus, he's done it for Man United. Like, he really had a good career as well. But I think it's, I suppose it, there is a lot of recency bias in these types of things. As you pointed out there, Gav, Schmeichel retires well, he quit United in 97, but then doesn't really go on with the Cantona does. Oh, Cantona, Cantona comes sorry. in Schmeichel and leaves left. in 97. Schmeichel yeah, leaves. Yeah, when, when did Schmeichel leave? I, I'm going to say somewhere around 2000, in around that. Was he because, there for that treble, was he? They, they, don't they go through... They were there, he was there for the treble, but I think they go through yeah, so a couple of years after that with the likes of Bod, Bosnich and Taibbi, and I'm, I'm thinking that's yeah, around 2002. That, yeah. So, yeah, I'd say I'd say Schmeichel's probably gone by 2001. I look it up now for you. But his influence was absolutely huge for me. But the point is, I suppose, anybody that's, that's maybe, I don't know, under... 35 maybe 30, 34, 33 mightn't have a good sort of memory of what Schmeichel was he's fucking phenomenal, big giant bastard who stopped everything with his face with his fucking balls, with everything anything he could stop it with, he stopped it with mm. and it was just an absolute nightmare of a goalie to come up against, do you know what I mean? I think and, Schmeichel leaves Manchester United in the summer of 1999 There's 90, one for you. Yes, it's a long time ago now do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's Really is. Come here, so. Keith, just just on that, right? Schmeichel, like people forget, like people don't understand what he was. Was he was just different to what goalkeepers looked like before? He was yeah. he was a hundred kilos in weight at six foot three, but he wasn't the fa- like Neville see Neville Southall was a hundred twenty kilos and was only five foot nine, right? But like Schmeichel was pure muscle. He was an absolute beast. He yeah. changed what goalkeepers look like. And I, I remember the only player that I could ever remember getting the better Schmeichel uh, on a regular basis was Robbie Fowler. And like I lived through the 90s. I, I lived through the 80s. It was a young kid coming in supporting football and thought Liverpool was... This, this is just the way things are. Liverpool are the greatest football team of all time. And then my heart is destroyed through the 90s. And every time we played them, you turn on the television. And I was a goalkeeper, so like you turn on the television and you couldn't help but look at this fella and go, how does he do that? How does he do that? And people forget that when Schmeichel signs for United, he doesn't sign as a 17 or 18-year-old. He comes yeah. in as a 25-year-old. 
So, and he was signed from Bromby, right? And it's like, they sign him on a whim and a prayer and he comes in and doesn't just change United as a football team. He changes them as a club because it's like Alisson coming into Liverpool. We mm. stop being a good Fragile. team and become this rock, right? Our defence is just so solid. Nobody ever gets past us. And if you get past the centre-backs, they just have this beast standing in the goal that there's no way past. Even when they think they're past them, there's no way past. Look, it's he an excellent point, yeah. You know the way you know the way goalkeepers come out nowadays and they and they sit up as they slide out on a ball yeah. and they spread their legs and sit up. Schmeichel invents that. The way what you were trying to describe there, what what was like? Imagine if all the things Kasper Casper Schmeichel did was a save. That's what Peter Schmeichel was. So like yeah. that, this is this is this is what we're talking about. Do you know, you know what? The, I mean? Do you know you, you know what? Like was. when when people speak about Schmeichel and I'm a little bit younger than Phil, but like when Schmeichel signs for United, I'm. I think he signs in 91, so I'm about nine years of age. So, you know, I can remember football a few years before that, but it's when you're nine and ten, it's when you really start taking notice of players, what they do, opposition. And it's around the time yeah. where you're seeing a little bit more football on the TV. Of course, it explodes a year later in 92 when the Premier League comes along. But for me, you know, when you look at Alisson now and people say, mm. you, ha- you have to put it in this part of the net to get it by Alisson. That's what Schmeichel was. You yeah, have yeah. to be... Uh, like literally pick a square in the net or you aren't getting it in there because he was he was big he was athletic he was commanding of his box he he could throw a ball 80 yards he he was the one that always to me was he he won't kick this he just get this and throw it he was throwing balls he was throwing balls he was throwing balls to Ryan Giggs 75 yards and Giggs was just running onto them and literally running down the wing and knocking her in the inside and someone was putting in the net it was like you know one of those goals on FIFA that people think you aren't allowed to score. That's what he was doing. Schmeichel, for me, Phil is right. Casper Schmeichel, you see him, multiplying by about 10. He, he yeah. looks bigger. He's more athletic. He gets to more. He commands things more. He, he very When Schmeichel made a mistake, it was in the news for a week because that's yeah. the, the amount of mistakes he made was, was minimal, you know. Um, but the, when he made a mistake, he usually looked like a fucking idiot doing it as well because yeah. they are usually howlers. But that's yeah. because he was so unorthodox and he was so... Uh, the way he was he was sort of defending different than every other keeper out there. So he'd look stupid, you know, when he gets gets lobbed by was a Poborski at Euro ninety six, I think, and he's sort of floundering uh, no, and if you even against Davasuka was, yeah, Davasuka, that was it. And uh, he they, Phil said Robbie Robbie Fowler as well made him look like a bit of a gobshite a couple of times as well, but it's very rare. That anyone did, and another good point comparison with Allison, like the, the upgrade. Who was the keeper at United before that? Jim Layton, Les Sealy, I think. You know, the, there's yeah. a blade and there's a jump fire. Do you know what I mean? To go from them to who are just jobbers, really, for Ferguson, and then to go and get this fella in a hell of a jump, very similar to air uh, increase when we seen Allison. Mm-hmm. So you can't really argue with that. Yeah, it's it's so the poll. Gives you a uh, bill for as, as the winner, right? And that's fine. The, the, we're absolutely fine with that. Um, <clears throat> we've had a rundown on bill for and, and his longevity, really top quality goalkeeper. But as the guest tonight, I use both agree that Schmeichel is the man to put forward as the alternative in this world 11. Yeah, Phil. I don't know, Gav. And I'll, 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 I'll true with the man will never show, and it's, it's mainly because a bit like the Schmeichel thing, right? Mm. You know, the way Alison 
is so fast off his line and he sprays the ball around like a centre midfielder. And when we saw saw Ederson come into the Premiership, it was like, oh my God, look at this fella who plays at the top of the D and wants to play in midfield. And even when Reina came into the club and he was doing that, then you saw Neuer do it and it was on a different level. Mm. I'll never forget the time I saw him playing in the centre midfield for Bayern Munich at one stage. Mm. And it wasn't that he was playing, they would throw him in random friendly. This was in a league match mm. and he'd come out of the box and decide to get involved in the centre midfield. And you're like, there you go. This is insane, right? But he wasn't making an arse of himself either. He was picking the ball up, moving into a wide position and spraying a ball 50 yards across the pitch to, to the far side to David Alaba who then set up a goal and you're there going, this is ridiculous, but goalkeepers could do this. It's like when you're a kid and you used to play fly goalkeeper, not, not last man back, but fly goalkeeper and the goalkeeper also happened to be the best player on the team, right? Mm. And he'd come out a goal and he'd start baiting all the lads and he'd be making all the goals and at the same time then he'd run back and he'd put off ridiculous amounts of the saves and he'd do stupid things and you'd be there going, how is this fella so good? Not only is he the best player on the, t- on, on the pitch, he's also the best goalkeeper on the pitch. And like for me, there's a reason why Neuer, I think, it was, is the last goalkeeper to be in the Ballon d'Or top three or something like that in the last 20 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because he's on a different, or he was on a different level to absolutely everyone that came before him. And now we, now we expect our goalkeepers to be able to pass the ball, to play with their feet, to play really high up in the box, to be aggressive, to do all the things that, that Schmeichel did but also do all the things that the old sweeper, and when we get on to talk about Brazy, but to do what Brazy used to do and play as that man behind the, the back four yeah. and give them that coverage with, with the feet because if he gets the ball, gets the ball played through quickly, he can take a touch and start to tack off really quickly. And that, that to me is like, it's Schmeichel 2.0, you know what I mean? And when like Schmeichel to me was always, and I'm going, I'm going to go really back now, into the 80s, there was a Russian goalkeeper called Reinhard Desayev and he was the next... He was the next man on from Lev Yashin. And yeah. when Desayev played for Russia, it was like, like, he used to deal with Shmoy. He was a beast and he used to make these ridiculous saves and he was just everywhere in the goal and stopping everything. He was brilliant, brilliant to watch. And if, you, if anyone can get footage of the Euro 88s and watch Desayev and go for the USSR, it's just off the charts, the goals, that he's, the, the saves that he's making. Um, but then you have Schmeichel that does the same things, the 1992 European Championships and then what he does for United. And then Neuer, the goalkeepers up until Neuer comes along are all pretty standard in the way they're playing. They're, they're advancing what Schmeichel has done in terms of that body spread and, and eagles. And you look at Casillas and Buffon and they're brilliant at doing that. And they're great goal-line goalkeepers, but not really... You wouldn't call them sweeper keepers. They were just no. very good at... at fairly them. orthodox keepers. Yeah. And the progression from what Schmeichel... Sort of how exactly. Schmeichel progressed goalkeeping. Then it was at a standard. And I agree with you 100%. FL Neuer does change that. The only other one around that time that was even doing anything similar and it was, wasn't even at that level was probably Victor Valdez at Barcelona. But that's the way Barcelona were maybe training or the keepers to play. Pepe Reina as well. But then he came through Barcelona. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, there look, wasn't many. Does, does, there's loads of goalkeepers we could have mentioned. Like I know, Phil, you're a massive fan of David Seaman. I know you're a massive fan of him because I know you've mentioned him before. But like Kevin Sullivan says, and he echoes what you're saying there, Neuer changed what keepers did. The sweeper-keeper role was born with him. Um, Avo says, Neuer for me too, for sweeper-keeper to make it look um, as if it was the way forward. Uh, Kevin Sullivan then says, you could tell how good Schmeichel was when you look how, how much of a downgrade Barthez was, who was a World Cup winner. Lads, I'm gonna to have to put you on the spot before we move on to the next position. So, Buffon is the is the is the listener and the viewers pick. Um, who are we putting forward as our alternate 
uh, as a goalkeeper in the World Eleven. Who are we going with? Because no, it seems we'll to be more... Phil's expertise on this Yeah, I'll let, I'll let Phil have this one because he loves the goalkeeping stuff. So what are you going to go with, Phil? Oh, man, this is like this is the toughest choice I've ever had to make. <coughs> yeah. Over. Apart or wine. Or should I live in a tent or should I live in a cardboard box? Like, that was also tough. So it was like, I'll go with... Um, Jesus, man, it's so tough because you look, you look at the the, the, the honours that Neuer has in comparison to Schmeichel, right? And it's fucking ridiculous. But I'm, I'm going to just, I'm, I'm going to marginally go with Schmeichel, and mainly because I think his step forward as a goalkeeper is bigger than Neuer's step forward. If you get me from what mm-hmm. Schmeichel did, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Yeah, no, that's absolutely fine. So we have Bill Farm for the listeners uh, team, and we have Schmeichel for the uh, the Trippers alternate team, as we call it. And as I said, there'll be different, you know, guests on this show throughout the week, so it won't be just you know Keith picks all the team. You know, it'll be a, it'll be a mix of alternates uh, as all we right. go. Um, right. So we moved on then to um, right backs. Now the four in there were Lillian Toram, Danny Alves, Cafu. And Zanetti. Um, the results were Toram with 9%, Danny Alves with 26%, Cafu with 54%, and Zanetti with 10%. Keith, did that one surprise you? Um, it didn't surprise me now. Um, I picked Zanetti all day long in this, and I now feel we'll have a different answer on this. A certain left back might come into the equation onto this one for Phil. But for me, Javier Zanetti is the best right back I've seen playing in my lifetime. Okay. So 10%, again, I'm putting that down to maybe a re- recency bias for the likes of Danny Alves. Okay. You know? um, so I was a bit surprised, but in one hand, not surprised on the other, you know. Yeah, no worries. Uh, Phil, I, I know these four probably upset you as well. I did hear murmurings of Gary Neville, De- Dennis Irwin and, and stuff like that when this came out. But just looking at those four, so you have Lillian Toram, Danny Alves, Cafu and Zanetti. If you were to pick one out of these four, who would be your pick? Obviously, Cafu gets the vote over over half the votes, but who would your pick be out of them for? It's really tough. Cafu and Zanetti on, on a par, but I'd probably just marginally side with Zanetti on that one. And pr- mo- probably because he was a better goal, goal scorer and threat than Cafu. And I'm sure somebody would probably throw stats at me, but uh, from memory, I used to remember Zanetti taking free kicks and penalties, and I don't remember Cafu doing that. Yeah, yeah Zanetti was unbelievable. So I'm, that's where the difference was. But, but look, no, none, none of them would be my pick. None. Okay, so I know none of them would be your pick. Were you surprised that Toram got such a low vote? Yeah, but then the problem with Toram is you could also include him as a centre back. Yeah, but you see, he's a right back. I know, but yeah, like, here's the problem. Here's the problem I was saying to you, and this this is what when you got all ratty with me because I was giving it about the right back <laughs> picks, right? Mm. Like for me, Sergio Ramos for the majority of his the start of his career up until 2010 to 12, he's a right back, and he's he's a game changer at Real Madrid when he comes mm-hmm. through the ranks. Yeah, right, um, and. Gary Neville and Dennis Irwin, as much as they played for United, and like people are going to be like, "What's your man talking about?" All these United players when he's meant to be a Liverpool fan. But look, at they the same, a dominant they dom- team. They had a dominant team for the best part of twenty years, and these two fellas at right back were different gravy. Now the Gary Neville show is probably very much like the Buffon show in the goalkeepers, and that he was just 
an exceptionally good right back, right? And, 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 and his consistency level over such a long time. And people say, look at Cafu and everything like that. But like, he was doing that. The only difference was his dad's name is Neville Neville and his brother's name is Phil Neville. And he has a head like a rat, like, do you know what I mean? So mm. it's like, if, he, if, if he was Brazilian, we'd be raving about him in the same way Cafu was. Right, yeah. like honestly, he was he was it was a stunningly good right back, and he's he's he he deserves to be in the equation for when we're talking about the best of from 1990 right the way through to now. Dennis Irwin, lads, I swear, like I remember growing up watching Dennis Irwin and being so jealous he played for United. I just remember him scoring free kicks and penalties for fun all day. Like we talked about Trent, Dennis Irwin was doing that for United back in the day, and then when they realised <laughs> when they realised it was easier to buy a right back than a left back, they just moved Irwin across the left back, and he just it, it ne- he never broke. Destroyed. He was the best left back then in the league instead of being the best right back. Like, this is what we're talking about. This guy was off the charts good. Different gravy. But like look, honestly, Zanetti is 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 Zanetti and Cafu. I can I can get on board with. Danny Alves shouldn't be in there at all. A very good player, but like deeply flawed as as a, as a fullback and nowhere near the, the the top end that we're talking about here. Lillian Toram, yeah, can boy because of his performances. But if you're going to have Lillian Thoram in there, for me, you'd have to have Sergio Ramos in there as well, because for the exact same reasons, right? And arguably, Sergio Ramos's team and period as a right-back at club and at World Cup level is much bit, is, is, is a longer duration than Thoram's was. Okay. Um, Thoram's club career is longer duration than, like, you know, at Juventus doing all the things they did amazingly. Brilliant. And then, but like for me, lads, Philip Lamb, well, Philip Lamb, Philip Lamb ends up ends up in the left back category, but he should be in the right back category. But he why? started as because he spent more time as a right back than he did. I'm left not back. too sure he did, Phil. He did. I, I'm not too sure he did. He did, Gav. Mm, I think. I think he won all his trophies as a, as a right back. Mm, I'm not too sure. I think. Yeah. I, I think if you look at it, I think he ends up uh, is a Guardiola. Was a Guardiola moves him into into the, the kind of yeah, deep midfield, midfield for for Bayern. For about I think, two I think, games. Not for two games. He didn't do it for two games. He didn't do it for two games, Phil. Because I tell you, I probably see Bayern probably two times a season, and I just didn't see him them two times. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) But but with with the fullback thing, I think I think he played one side for Germany and one side for Bayern. And for me, I just like I'll put it to this way: when we, I remember going back years and years, Liverpool were linked with with Philip Lamb or spoken about, or they were interested in. And I never thought of him as Philip Lamb coming in as a left back or right back. I always thought he come in at left back. That's just the way I am. But yeah, you're not. We're looking at this. We're not happy with the uh, the show of Cafu overall because I think Keith's swaying towards Zanetti. Phil wants Dennis Irwin. I'm gonna. I'll give Keith. No, sh- I'm going with Philip Lamb. I think Philip Lamb is the best right back in the last twenty okay, years. Okay, so you're going with Philip Lamb. Okay, no yeah. problem. So if we're going with this, if you Philip Lamb or Javier Zanetti, Keith, I'm. I'm gonna probably have, give Keith a shout on this. Keith, have you been swayed at all by the Philip well, Lamb shout being thrown no, at Phil, I, even though he's a left I back? I do agree. Well, I agree. Philip Lamb's a right back as well. I have to be honest. But I would associate him as a right-back more than a left-back. But I always thought he was one that could, you know, he was similar to Erwin. He could play both sides, you know, so it was one of them, you could put him in either or. But I'd still go with Zanetti as the best right-back. Um, and I know people would say, oh, Zanetti was very defensive. Look, I'm, I'm nearly 40, right? So I grew up looking at Serie A in the 90s. And if you're a defender in one of the big Italian teams, 
that'll do for me, you know. And an Argentinian defender as well. People now will be like Argentina defenders are muck. Back then, Argentinians were the business. So you'd or you wouldn't sway me off Javier Zanetti in any blading of on any argument. So I'd go Zanetti, but I do think Lamb is is the closest one to him by by a long by a long way. Can I ask a question? Um, yeah. uh, this may sound a stupid question. Some of the questions I ask are stupid. Probably people say most of them are, but. Was Javier Zanetti always a right back? No, he was a, he was, he was he a, a left back. He he could play. <laughs> no, but seriously, in all seriousness, was he always a right back? Because I, uh, this might be just completely out there, but I always had thoughts of Zanetti was a midfielder. He played and midfield ended up and playing he played right back and just back as well. I thought he was a midfielder when he started him. No, when he, he started no, he was, he, was, he was really a wing back. Yeah, wing-back, right. exactly. Inter Milan signed him and Roberto Carlos, I think, in the same summer. Roberto Carlos on the left and Javier Zanetti on the right, and they played, you know, they, they were onto something there, but he was much better defensively than he was, even though he was a wing-back. He was, he was a much more solid. You know, nowadays, I'd say, oh, you want an attacking full-back, but back then it was... All day long, it was the defender, Javier Zanetti. Mm. Going quickly back to where uh, Philip Lam, I've just had a look at his stats. He's got career 265 games at right back and 200 games at left back. Yeah, but that's right like back. Pele that said he scored a thousand goals or 1500 goals. <laughs> so we're in training I'd say 65 of them games at right back were training. I just always seen him as a, as a left back. I don't know why. That's because that's, that's you don't watch enough Bundesliga. I told you yeah, this before. Yeah, but that's because like, I can't, nobody watches too much Bundesliga, let's be honest about it. Well, you do, and Grace claims to. But no, I don't. You know, but obviously, no, I stopped the football, man. La, stop because coronavirus. I'm la, watching all sorts now on the television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brazilian second division and all. Um, but no. Look, Liga. It's one then. of those. Phil, do you object? I know you want Lamb, but do you object to the Zanetti show from Keith? Yeah, because like for me, <laughs> for me, you, you look at Philip Lamb. Okay, so the, what's the missing thing? If you compare the two of them, right, both of them phenomenal footballers in their own right. Okay, yeah. But Philip Lamb also wins the World Cup, and he also captains Germany, and he also like you're talking about a player that's actually at Franz Beckenbauer's level. That's what Philip Lamb is. He's also he also has a doctorate in economics. And he's the type of fella that in this current climate is the type of fella we need leading the world. Don't mind a football team, the world. To me, Philip Lamb is not just the best footballer we're going to talk about in the defence, but also the best person and the best human to lead us through this storm. So you not only want Philip Lamb at right back, you want to Philip Lamb to lead us through the coronavirus. Yeah, the <laughs> shock. Okay, all right. Well, listen, Lamb features in the next in the next little part, so I, I, we're going to stick with Zanetti. Yeah, so Zanetti, Zanetti uh, joins Schmeichel in our alternate, and the other team so far is Buffon and uh, Cafu. Wait till we get the centre-backs. Right. I'm, I'm glorious at the centre-backs. <laughs> yeah. The centre-backs are going to be war. There's going to be war. Um, let me see. Fella, you may as well have picked fellas from the Hungarian 1954 team, like with some of the shouts that are in that. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, Chris I'm Brax. a big fan of the Hungarian 1954 team. They're my favourites. Uh, Not the Brax. Division 3 Hungarian Ferry and Fakos teams. Go on. Chris yeah, Honved. Honved and the likes. Chris. Big fan. I'll try this again. Chris Brack says, stick to your guns. It's definitely lamb. Um, 
Dylan O'Rourke says there's been no drop off from Lamb to Kimmage expanding how the best right back hasn't been missed. Ooh, well, I'm looking, I'm only reading that now. Because um, I can get on to the next little bit, but uh, he's had you off there, Phil, I'm being honest with you. Um, but look, the next one. Not he... really, because if you look at the trophy hall, I'm sure that Joshua Kimmage hasn't won the same amount of trophies as Philip Lamb, and he hasn't won a World Cup of Germany, so he's talking through his bollocks. Oh, see, there's the gym. Um, <laughs> left back. So, the votes on this one were Maldini. Um, people argued he was a centre-back. Maldini was a left-back. Maldini right. was a left-back. Uh, Marcelo, Lam, and Roberto Carlos. Uh, Roberto Carlos comes in with 30% of the vote. Lam with 12%. <laughs> Marcelo with 5%. And Maldini with 53%. Um, Phil, there's no argument against Maldini here, is there? Dennis Aaron. Right, okay. Um, Dennis Irwin and Philip Lamb, now that you're calling him a left back to suit whatever you need to say, but seriously, Phil, Maldini was just a. Uh, people, like, say now, could, people say now Virgil van Dijk is a Rolls Royce of a footballer. But can, can, uh, can I say something, Gav? Maldini right? was uh, out, outstanding. No, honest, honestly, honestly, right? What, what, what killed me off in this was I, I mentioned that Bergamy should have been included, and somebody said Bergamy was too old. Bergamy played until 1999, so he has every right to be included. <laughs> Yeah, in 1999, he, he would have been 36, 37 years of age. Now, when, when Bergamy finished in 1999, he was 42. But well, the, Dennis, Wikipedia is wrong because it says he's 56 today. Bergamy, yeah, yeah. Bergamy went into the uh, Italian 82 team. He was only something like 17, but he looked about 11, 45. 11, he looked he about 11. 45, a big, huge moustache and all. Like, so I, I think he was, he was always Mono tired brow. as older than he was. He probably just went yeah, out to get his man smokes, in fairness. Ended he up grew a moustache and a monobrow at the same time, and it looked like he had a parallel line running across his forehead and just below his nose. It was incredible. But Bergamy, for me, is just... Should have been in the equation because he he's ridiculous. He's also ridiculous. He's a bit like Zanetti, but if you put Zanetti in, he's Bergamy Mark too because Zanetti wins sixteen trophies at Inter over the course of his time there, and he's captain for fifteen of those trophies. Yeah. So I can sort of get on board the Zanetti. That's why I'm saying to you, it's so close between him and Lamb in terms of who I think is the best right back. But look, there's an argument to say that Paolo Maldini is the best right back here as well. And there's an argument to say that Sergio Ramos is the best right, right back on the basis of what we're talking about when you start comparing trophy holds and, and career stats. Mm. But look, there's no argument that there has ever been a better left back or centre back than Paolo Maldini. None. He's just, you know what, um, like for me, and I'll get to Keaton in a second, I always remember on, on, on Irish television you had um, RT1 and you had Network 2. Right, um, and they used to show Italian football on Network Two on a Monday night at about half past nine, and it, it was brilliant. You, you go on; they show all the highlights from all the games and the goals and stuff like that. Following on from Channel Four, um, when they used to do their stuff on with Richardson, wasn't it on a Sunday? Yeah. Um, I used to watch it, and I suppose that's what got me into Italian football. Now, don't get me wrong, the, the Milan team of 94, 95, Van Basten and all these, and they take Barcelona apart, I think, in Athens in the 94 or 95 European Cup. 94, because they get beaten in um, Ajax winning in 95. But just watching Paolo Maldini, and you see all these quotes saying, oh, well, if you have to do a slide tackle, you're in the wrong position. All That's bollocks. Paolo Maldini would be giving fellas... 10 yard starts, making it up, sliding in, making tackles, never out of position. He was the Rolls Royce of footballers. He was the fourth Rolls Royce footballer I ever seen. I'm being honest with you. I just thought he was just flawless. And you see him go through his career and he plays on at least 40 odd. He's, he's just outstanding. And, and I agree with Phil. 
you can't argue anywhere from 1990 onwards about Paolo Maldini. There's no point even doing a poll, in my opinion, but we had to. But Keith, what a player. Uh, he was unreal. He was, again, you could say he was a centre-back. He was a centre-back for the later part of his career, but I'd always identify Maldini as a, as a left-back. You know, To me, he was always a left-back. And no, no one comes close. And that's why I think it's harsh for Lamb to get lumped in in the left-backs. Because he doesn't stand a chance against Paolo Maldini, but he was—he had everything, you know. He was tall; he wasn't huge. He was tall enough. He was quick. He was good looking. Could do it all. Do you know what I mean? Like he was really, really that good. And you're right. That AC Milan team back then was just formidable for the whole lot of the '90s and into even when the the team that we bet in the European Cup final in 2005, it was all built on on a, a, a rock of a defense and Maldini's there for all of it do you know what I mean he's there from the 90s when um, Capello's team and all was there he's he's there right the way through to 2005 you know so his career is just unrivaled mm. you know we can say some players went into their, their 40s like Ryan Giggs gets talked about as a player that went played into his foot. He didn't really play that much you know what I mean he was very very much a big part player for the, the last part of his career and the same for the likes of even Costa Corta, let's say, at, at Milan. Costa Corta was a great centre-back as well. But he didn't play that much. He was he was around till he was about 44, but he didn't really figure that much. But Maldini kept a very uh, high level all the way through his career, which, you know, not many not many have done. So to me, again, it's unrivaled. Yeah, Maldini it, all the way. Like people are saying the argument could be he's a better centre-back than he was a left-back. Have you watched Paolo no. Maldini as a left-back? Jesus, no. Like he was just outrageously good like yeah. he didn't look like he had lightning pace but he was really really quick he was good in the air he he could score a goal you know from left back yeah. he he could play football he could he could shepherd wingers he could let them run against him and he'd do it all day he was always in position he watch Paolo Maldini as a left back and tell me he's a better centre half I think is absolutely insane a lot of people are going on here about Ashley Cole um, being the best left back of his generation uh, nah. listen Paolo Maldini was in that generation Paolo Maldini yeah, didn't exactly. finish playing football about 10 years ago and you could probably f- argue that pa- uh, Ashley Cole stopped about 5 years ago so they're probably in the same generation Ashley Cole sorry there's, there's, there's no one even there's no, uh, putting Ashley Cole into that sentence Ashley Cole isn't, never, isn't in the same stratosphere as Paolo Maldini sure, we may as well say that Stigging Gabionaby is the best left back if we're going to start saying Ashley Cole is the best left back yeah. like, mm. honestly nobody touches Maldini nobody touches Maldini no. This is a fella who's been who was playing started in the early nineties and goes right the way up until twenty thirty seven. Like this is you know his he, he has longevity, he has trophies, he has World Cups, he has European Championships, he is uh, he is the club force. He has renaissances, he has revenge missions. He loses that Istanbul final. He gains revenge in Athens. Mm-hmm. He, he he is the mental strength of Milan. And it's not surprising that since Maldini's retired, Milan has been a basket case of a club. Yeah, absolutely. a basket case. Absolutely. Um, like the, the only the only situation we're caught in here at the moment is is that we're, we're completely unanimous on Maldini, and nobody else should be anywhere near him. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. 
But in her, in the alternate world of our world eleven, we're going to have to put somebody in at left back. Um, Keith, okay, Philip uh, Lamb. Philip Lamb, he Lam, wants to go yeah. to left back. Uh, Keith, yeah. do you agree with Philip Lamb? Yeah, hundred percent. Well, I'd actually, I'll just throw a different name into the mix because I don't know. He won't get. Don't say won't, Dennis Irwin. No, he won't get a mention. <laughs> he won't get a mention anywhere else. But look, you could say Rob Jones. You could. He won't get a mention anywhere else, right? But like David Alaba. Yeah, is one of the most unsung, brilliant. Moves around too much in the pitch field. Gen, generation footballers. Yeah. And he's played most like a lamb, isn't it? Like you know, and he's play, play, and played everywhere. most of his football at Bayern Munich at left back. Yeah, but he plays at left back. He played against. He played centre Play. half against Chelsea a couple of weeks ago. I've seen him play midfield for. Thing I've seen him playing the number oh, ten. He plays number ten for Austria all like, the time. Yeah. Uh, you know that's the only thing that holds him back because I think he is just. He's outrageously good. He's an outrageously good footballer, David Alaba. And, you know, when you look at, um, there are a clown beside him that people rate really highly and he's not any good. Uh, the German fella sent off in the last World Cup, I think. Bauteng? Yeah. Not a good defender. Not a good defender. And, you know, people say, oh, put him with him and put him with him. Alaba is, look, if he's not playing that many positions, that's how good a footballer he is. He's a good show. For left back, I agree, but he just moves around the pitch too much for me. If he'd have stuck at left back, he'd be looking going absolutely amazing. Then again, Bayern played a left back there against Chelsea the other week, and people are claiming to be the best of all time. So that's the way it goes. Um, I know, like if, if like the other thing, we get into it when we're talking about centre backs. We haven't really included modern day footballers, right? Mm-hmm. And to be fair, if you're going to say right, we can't pick Maldini because it's the alternative, then then you get into the next level, and the next level does have like. Like Gary Neville was a phenomenal left back. Ashley Cole was an amazing left back. And then, like, if you're going to go for them, Roberto Carlos and Marcelo Salas is like the. the you just, you just, you just wonder when you watch them playing for Real Madrid. Marcelo doesn't get the plaudits that Carlos did purely because Roberto Carlos scored one free kick in 400 years that went out to the corner flag and came back in against Barthez. I'd have, I'd have Marcelo over. Um... Carlos mm. I don't think either of them can defend particularly well but I think going forward there's actually more substance and more taw in what Marcelo does um, going forward as opposed to Roberto Carlos that just wants to left fly from anywhere when he gets it um, I, I go for Marcelo over, over Roberto Carlos but we're going to have to pick an alternate here lads are we going with Philippe Lam because he got shafted in right back let Phil go with this go on Phil I'll let you have this one Oh, this is too hard, man. I'm going to... No, I'm going to put Marcelo in because, again, I want this team to have balance in it. Okay. So, yeah, that's so Schmeichel, Schmeichel, um, Schmeichel is our, our, our goalkeeper. Uh, Marcelo is our left-back. Uh, Zanetti was our right-back, as opposed to the viewer's choice, which is Buffon, Maldini... And Cafu and Maldini obviously being the absolute standout one. Chris Back mentions uh, cheekily Andy Robertson. He may go down as one of the greats in the next couple of years, but he, he hasn't won a league yet. No, when he wins the league, and uh, I think that that's when you start looking at things. Lads, the centre half is where it all really fucking kicks off. And I was looking for, after lads I was speaking to, I was looking for eight names. Um, I got, I must have got 14 names, and they were all. We're in the right, you know, but we'll see how it goes. But look, the first vote was, so, I, do you know what? I want, you, we're going to look at this vote. We're going to look at the results. We're going to see what 
the viewer's choice was and then we're going to have a look at it all so we've, we need two alternates really you can choose from anywhere for the alternates obviously right um chris brack says still no lamb in this team the game is gone uh, yeah it's just the way things <laughs> I agree, go chris. Chris. i'm with you i'm with you if it was my choice chris i would have put him in the left back but how never well it you might be midfield no you didn't you, you didn't put him at left back you put marcelo there you know so while while phil is with you chris He's actually ruined your your, your evening and um, your World Eleven. The World Eleven has been ruined for you forever, Chris, uh, because Phil agrees with you, but just done the exact opposite because he's a prick like that. Um, the fourth vote went out this evening. It was Beresi. I want Nesta. to be a Tory Prime Minister. <laughs> Beresi, Nesta, Ramos, and Company, and the results were as follows: uh, Company had five percent. Company, can I rewind there? Yeah. Company, company, yeah, company, company, was, yeah. company was a name that come up loads to us. Who? We wouldn't Ew. get in the top fifty of this I'm since nineteen ninety. How many corners used to put company into that list? I'm telling Honestly. you, that was a name that come up loads. But listen, he got five percent. Ramos got eleven. Nesta got forty-one. And Berezi literally with five minutes to go in this vote, it was very, very. It was neck and neck, forty-two percent each. I think. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, Berezi. Brazy pulled away with 44. I'm putting, I'm putting a ceiling of having to have won a Champions League to be in this list. Oh, okay. right? <laughs> yep. Or a floor. Sorry, not a ceiling, a floor. You have to have won the Champions League for a start mm-hmm. to be in the equation for, for best centre-back of a generation, which means company can't be in that list. Okay. Right? Can't. He just isn't in well, the league. Well, he level. is. He's nowhere near the elite I'm level just of centre-backs we've had since 1990. They were the names, they were the names we were given. Well, no. That's what we went with. But look, the winner is Beresi on 44%. Now, Phil, 44% for Beresi. Where do you stand on Franco Beresi as a centre-half? Do you agree with him winning out of them four? And would you, what would you be your alternate to him? Well, unless every person that was voting in it is bordering on a high-risk category for coronavirus, they're talking through their hoops. Right. Okay, in what way? Because they they never watched Franco Brazi mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're just listening to people saying Franco Brazi was the best centre back of all time. Okay. Yeah, he was very good. He was good. Look, Keith, what age are you? 39, Phil. 39. I've seen a lot of Brazi. Okay. I'll let you in on that. So you've, you've seen it. And, and I, I, can, I can make a, a direct call because I watched Italian football through the 90s. Yeah. Seen him play in the AC Milan teams of, of the early 90s, mid 90s. Saw him win. European Cups when Liverpool were banned from European competition. Well, here's the rub. He wins three European Cups. Two of them come when Liverpool are banned out of the European Cup. And two of them come. Two of those trophies are won when Liverpool had the John Barnes, Peter Bearsley, John Aldridge football team. Yeah. The the greatest greatest English team not to have played in European competition. Okay. And not just... And and this is a team that was better than. I'm going, I'm, going, I'm going to let you discuss Franco Brazi for two minutes while I nip to the loo. I've never done this before, but I'm going to. So you continue on with Franco Brazi. So for me, anyway, with Franco Brazi, he is an outstanding centre back. He is definitely a generational centre back. But unlike the rest of the lads we've discussed, Keith, I'd be saying, does Franco Brazi make it in the modern game? No. I think he's a good centre-back in the modern game, but not a great one. Whereas when I look at Paolo Maldini, he's a great left-back in the modern game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Carlos, I argue with that. No, Carlos and Marcelo will be great left-backs in the modern game. 
the lads we talked about right back, Zanetti will be an amazing right back. We're talking about Trent, Trent Alexander Arnold, that style of right back. You look at Schmeichel, can he hack it as a top level goalkeeper? He's going to be an elite level goalkeeper in the modern game. Is Franco Baresi an elite centre back in the modern game? And I think Baresi's brilliance is as much to do with the system that he personified as his level of ability. Yeah, that is true. There is a certain amount of not necessarily being a system player, but it, he was part of a a, a defence, a defensive, an organised defence that was built around him from being so tight and so stingy that he didn't have to. He was never overly walked. If you looked at Franco Brazi in the 90s, he looked like he was about 45 years old. Mm. He never had to run and he never broke a sweat. He was always in the right place. But if you compare that to someone like, let's say, Paul McGrath, for example, 1994 World Cup, McGrath's immense, but McGrath's not getting the the cover and the, mm-hmm. the system that Brazi was in. So I do, I do agree to an extent that Baresi was helped maybe by the, the system and the style of play that AC Milan had, that Italian football had in yep. the 80s and 90s. Well, but it's a hard one to knock him on as well. There's loads of comments coming in here. Like uh, Dylan O'Rourke says, John Terry or Rio, um, do, do they get a show? Uh, Avo backs that up with Rio Ferdinand and John Terry are two alternatives worth a show. Um, yep. I thought I'd say that through great he said. Um Kevo Sullen says, I'm 47 and seen enough to see that nobody read the game better than Baresi. But football back then, Italian side, set deep, he was never caught in behind. Yeah, um, much so, um, when you, when you look, when you look, at, when you look at it, Baresi wins it, right? Who's your, is there anybody in that group there, Phil, that you would say, no, I would have went with over Baresi? Or who was your alternate? Group, to Bar- yeah. um, it was company, uh, it was, so that's that's a nothing. Nested. So we've only got three players. So. Yeah, it was. Um, I tell you, it was, it was Nesta Ramos Company. Okay, so John Terry and Rio Ferdinand are leagues above company for a start. Just, I just want to put that there. Right, and yeah, miles above. And the fact sorry, that people are asking, did I wash my hands? Yeah, I don't have to walk that far. I don't live in a massively big house. Go on, Gary Pallister. Yapstam. Gary Pallister. <laughs> miles above them again. Right, right. Steve Bruce. Uh, Steve Bruce? Nah, Steve Bruce would be at the same level. Sammy Hoopia. Like, Hoopia is the same level as, the, as them as well. So, like, but we're talking about elite fellas who won league titles, and you're looking at them. Colin Hendry, why not throw him in if you're going to put company in? Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I, now, for me, the names that are missing here that, are, that need to be discussed are Pepe. Oh, dirty, dirty Madrid fella, Pepe. Yeah. Yeah, lovely story. Portuguese lad. Not thrown in enough. And Ricardo Carvalho. Okay, yeah, of Chelsea and Portugal yeah. fame as well. And, Porto and it's fame. Milan fame. Mm. And Porto fame. Mm. He wins he wins the Champions League at three different clubs. Mm. He he's a game changer for all those clubs that he goes to. Right. And he's a difference maker. Right. I need you to agree on an alternate here because Phil has got two shouts, Keith has got one, and I'm gonna give Keith the last one. So I need you to agree on an alternate to Baresi here. So Baresi gets this um Baresi goes in as the as the viewer's as choice. As the people's choice. So I look at the people's for an champion. We can't pick another one in the other list, can we? Oh, I, I get to do, I get just pick a name, pick a name who you want. Well, we don't have to pick one of these three, but no, you don't have to pick one of them three. You can pick any. You see, my thing on this, 
I, I loved like Argentinian defenders in the 90s so I loved Roberto Ayala and I loved Roberto Sensini and the likes of these players yep. they're not going to get in so I don't no. know Giuseppe Bergami was Giuseppe Bergami playing centre back in no Trudeau can't squeeze him in can't squeze him back. in no. can't squeeze him in so I don't know I mean He's I know Cannavaro's in the next I don't try to think he was in the next uh, he was in the next group that's what I'm it's more like, so trying to Keith you're trying you're trying to hug me but you've got a sore throat and a cough it's a, a virtual a virtual hug uh, no, just not having it because you could you give it to me over, over binary well, that's it. Yeah, you, you've got the virtual coronavirus off me now, Phil. So, I, so think, I think... You go with this one. Right. For me, the one that I'm putting in, and people might disagree with me because there is a lot of recency bias, bias in it, right? But I don't think you can leave out Ferdinand Van Dijk. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. The only, thing yeah. I would, the only thing I would argue with you, Phil, is that if you take away... You know, the trophies in Scotland, how much are they worth? Um, if you take away the, the World Club Cup and the U- European Super Cup, which are brilliant things to win, he's won a Champions League, Phil. He's not won anything else. Well, Gav, I'd, I'd happily go for Pepe or Sergio Ramos. And I'd probably oh, no, just... I'm just making the argument. Listen, come here and tell you. When Virgil van Dijk finishes at Liverpool, and whether it be four, five, six years, he would go down as one of the best centre-halves that's ever been seen. But when you you were talking earlier about, you know... Um, trophy halls and this and you know people's argument against Virgil van Dijk would be oh well the trophies are only this in my opinion Virgil van Dijk is a much better player than the likes of Ferdinand and Terry and, and these be- sort of people he's way above them he's Gav the reason I'm putting him in there is that I've watched all these centre backs mm. all the ones that we're talking about mm-hmm. everything right mm-hmm. and honestly I have never seen a centre back in my life like van Dijk either no. way yeah, Liverpool, the Liverpool, Liverpool's, Virgil van, Liverpool's Virgil van Dijk from um, the start of 18-19, I've never seen a defender like it. And I mean that. Never. The first six never. months, he was okay. He was in and out. It was the odd injury. You know, he was being blend, You know, built into the squad and, and brought in. And, you know, he was brought in straight away. But you could see there was a bit, you know, he had to learn off different players that were around him and stuff like that. But from the start of last season, I have never seen a centre-half like him. Because... No. He, no matter what you put against him, he deals with. Like Adama Triori is meant to be the big, big, fastest thing on the planet, and it includes vehicles and everything in that. And he just went and went. Would you fuck and, off? And, and I'll be honest with you, right? I'd, my instinct would be to go for Ramos because I like the nasty, I like the dirty fucker, I like the the, the, the master of dark dark arts, and that's mm-hmm. why I brought Pepe into it. But when given that Van Dijk isn't in either list for me, I just I've never seen a centre back like him. The, the the closest I can compare him to is. Probably handsome from watching them play because he never seems to have to make a tackle, and Van Dijk never seems to have to make a tackle, but he's quicker again. So I think he's very similar to Rio Ferdinand, but he's even better again. Well, what I, what I mean by that is he's he's rapid like Ferdinand. He's good in the air. He's, he's a good organizer. Organizer. The only thing I would say is the only thing I would say is um, he doesn't commit as much as Rio Ferdinand does. He doesn't get caught because Rio Ferdinand was get, was caught here every now and then. Listen, when lads are making making you know YouTube videos on Virgil Van Dijk because he didn't put in a tackle or didn't have a successful tackle, that's how good you know he is. So right now we're looking at our, our alternate to Brazil is Virgil Van Dijk. Do we agree on that? Yeah. Okay, Keith, do we agree on that? Yeah, I'm happy enough with that. Okay, yeah. I thought Keith was moving house there while we were talking to him. I am a bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no worries. Um, 
Right, so let me get the last one in. So, the last one of the centre-halves um, is Cannavaro, Puyol, Desoye, and Chiellini. Okay? Now, very, in- very, very interesting. Chiellini with 4%, Desoye with 18 Puyol with 29 but Cannavaro won this on 49%. First of all, Keith, do you agree with that result? Would that be in your show? What what way did this fall for you when you've seen it? I'm a big fan of Cannavaro, I have to say, um, as far as defenders, because he didn't have the physical uh, abilities, you know what I mean, to be a, a top centre-back, but he was, a, he was a fast little bastard and he read everything. So I, I, I think he is a good, uh, a good winner, a, a deserving winner. But I think this far is much... Uh, much higher quality than the last one. Vincent Company, I think, skewed the last group. Um, Puyol was a great defender as well for mm-hmm. Barcelona. He was an absolute stalwart for them. and But he was a very, uh, you know, put his face on the line. You know, one of these merchants that had, uh, really throw every body part in front. Desai, Desai was a great player as well. I mean, he's won an awful lot. You think he goes back to the Milan teams as well in the 90s. He's he's had a great career, won World Cups, Euros. He's he'd be personally my choice out of the list would have been that's so yeah. But yeah, can't really argue. And then Kealini, Kealini, what do you get? Four percent? Yeah. He's won a lot as well, you know what <laughs> I mean? He's a top player, but yeah, Canavaro, Canavaro was quality. You see, he won the Ballon d'Or, didn't he? Um, and after 2006 yeah I think he did yeah I think you're right he did yeah, yeah I think he won the um, a lot of people I mentioned PK here people I mentioned in Puyol PK ah, um, no you know there's, there's plenty in there Puyol for me what a defender what a defender um, he was like Carragher with long hair and he, he was because he, he was very emotional as well you know and that's what half of his game was based on the emotional sort of um the, the fans, the 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 electricity you get mm. from the from the crowd, you know what I mean? So he was a very emotional defender, very last ditch. He's a great player. Yeah. Phil, what do you make of this for? Cannavaro leading ahead of Puyol, Desayin and Chiellini. Mm. Are you a fan of Cannavaro? I am. It's, I think it's a great four. I would like to call, yeah. I would like two of them in the previous list. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can't I'm sue everyone, I, Phil. And got rid of company because, like, I still can't figure out that one. That's really upset me. Okay, um, I feel like going around to Leo Radcliffe's gaff and smashing it up. <laughs> oh, that, that, he's not there. He's not there. He's out telling people he's to stop the messing. Um, Do you know who's missing? Yeah, but this is where the alternates come in. Come on, mm. Benucci. Benu- I was going to say Benucci because he did when when Keith said um, Chiellini, I was and he was saying, "Look what he's won." I was like, "Yeah, but didn't he win a lot beside Benucci, who was absolutely brilliant as well?" Yeah, now Chiellini to me, lads, he's 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 been different gravy. Like he, he again a bit like Maldini, he makes his debut when he's four, but looks like he's twenty eight. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's been yeah. bald since he was born, and it's like you're looking at him and you're just there going, "If you're gonna if you're gonna sort of." Make a prototype defender, a fellow who can defend a high line can also defend it behind him. And not so much now because he is getting on a yeah, bit, yeah, absolutely, yeah. but in his prime, but also played fullback. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And I didn't it, have the body of a fullback at all. No, but played it, and I was yeah. bitten by Suarez as well. And yeah. like, I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to think of a better centre back 
to play alongside Van Dijk than Chiellini. Like if, if Van Dijk and Chiellini were playing alongside each other, imagine a peak Chiellini with Van Dijk right now. Whoever scores a goal against that. Yeah. Ever. So the the the, the viewer's choice is Ber- Berezi, um Cannavaro. We're going with Van Dyke. Um are we going with Chiellini? Like Cannavaro to me, no, that's it's not that I don't like I adore, like for a fella who's only four foot three, he was amazing as a centre back. Yeah. And he gets all his like a salmon equal for yeah, like he learned most from Paolo Montero, the, the dirty Uruguayan yeah, round round Naples and, and was his former in, uh, influence but, and then goes to Real Madrid and does all the stuff Cannavaro does at Madrid as well, as well as Juventus and all the lads in Italy and he look. He should be ta- like people talk about him and should talk about him because he's a great little fella. Now he did look a bit like Napoleon when he was at, on on the television during the World Cup, and that was a bit worrying because he looked even smaller then than he did now. Mm. But I, I don't disagree with the choice. Like in, in the same way, Maldini is unanimous. If I see Cannavaro's name pop up, I'm going to do it. But Desai, lads, Desai was Desai was immense. But the only thing I would say is. Um, Desai was just a unit, wasn't he? He was an absolute monster. And but didn't he play a couple of football at centre midfield as, as well? He like did, he, yeah. I think did, did, was he part of the Milan side that took Barcelona apart in ninety four yeah. yeah. and Yeah, and 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 the final in Athens was four 0 and Desai, from if I remember right, was in the middle of midfield and just ran amok. Yeah, exactly. he was there with Albertini, Dimitro Albertini. I think mm. would have played there as well. It yeah. was a great team. Boban and, and all these sort of lads. and they, they let Hulla play in front of him. Yeah, and the lads it had great crack. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it was really uh, only when he went to Chelsea that that's he switched to a centre back, wasn't he? Like, you, you and did France, play a lot of and France, and France yeah. yeah, you did play Just, a lot of his time in Italy in midfield. He played, he played beside Larry White in France, so yeah. Um, just on Cannavaro, like for for the like you said, for a fella that was is he five foot nine? Um, well, for, uh, on Wikipedia it says five foot nine. He could be four foot four. I'm not too I'm sure. Um, if he goes to the if he goes to the um the the Circle K garage on the Nice Road near the Red Cow, he will come in about four to five inches higher than he actually is because he's measured it wrong on the door. But it makes you feel great when you're leaving. Um, but um, I always, Cannavaro always reminds me of um, ex Shamrock Rovers defender Gino Brazil. Um, uh, there's one for the lads now. Uh, small centre half that read the game brilliantly, um, tackled brilliantly, and was a really, really good footballer on top of it. So there's one for the lads. Now, um, so the. At the end of all that, we have a viewer's choice of Buffon, um, Maldini left back with Beresi and Cannavaro, and the right back being Cafu. We have countered that with Schmeichel, am I right, as a goalkeeper? Yeah. yeah. We have gone left back, we've gone... Philip Lamb. Philip Lamb. We've gone Zanetti right back, and we've gone Virgil van Dijk with Chiellini. That's how shaping up the two brilliant teams. I'd say the vote between these teams would be brilliant. Um... As the week goes on, we're going to look at a midfield. Now, the midfield tr- will be a midfield three, and then it'll be forwards, like, you know, left-sided forward, right-sided forward, and one striker. And, you know, your midfield three will be made up of a deep-lying player. It could be a box-to-box midfielder. We try categorise them that way, and then an attacking midfielder. Um, we will do them as the week goes on. Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, and Messi is the front three. And if there's any picks outside of those three, well, my you three, may as well. Right, just, just, just on that before we finish then, right? Because for, my, for me, it'd be Ronaldo, Messi, and uh, Ronaldo, the, the, the first ever Ronaldo, as my front three. Um, would you go against that, Phil? Yeah, Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, and Messi. Ronaldinho is Ronaldinho, not given... Ronaldinho, Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, as in 
Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, there's only one Ronaldo. No, there's not. CR7. No, no, R9 was the original Ronaldo. He might have been the first one, but he's not the only one. So there's the only one Ronaldo, and that's the Ronaldo that scored 4,000 goals, has, has turned his hotels into hospitals for the coronavirus, yeah. and it has a man bun. How do you know R9 isn't doing the same, but he just doesn't want to blow his own trumpet about it? He's too busy being a minister in Brazil. I'd say he's too busy on the on the piss with Ronaldinho, to be perfectly honest. Ronaldinho's in jail at the moment. Oh, is he? But in then part. Ronaldo's probably there with him. Um, Ronaldinho was arrested going into Peru to do a, a gig. Yeah. Because he had a false passport. Why, why is Ronaldinho Hang wandering on. around with a fake passport? Hang on, Gav. The best bit is that at the moment, he's playing a football match in the jail yeah. against the prison guards. Yeah. But he's not allowed to score because the prize is a pig. For dinner at the end of the week, so either the guards win or the prisoners win. <laughs> I swear to God, it's so good, isn't it? He's fucking great. Do you remember he was meant to be going to United and they were like, "If you get me a helicopter on top of the Trafford Centre after every yeah. game, so I can head to London and go on the lash on uh, Sunfields," and then they were like, no, it's honestly, not happening. "Imagine that happened today, Ed Woodward would be slaughtered. Why didn't you just give him the fucking helicopter, Ed?" You know, Ronaldinho. Well, uh, Ronaldinho embodies what football is really about. Come He's here. the fan. Yeah. He's the greatest. Come here and I tell you, um, right. Dylan O'Rourke says Ronaldo over uh, R9 Ronaldo. Cristiano over Ronaldo. Um, used to get my hair cut by Gino's brother, says Dylan O'Rourke. There you go. Um, Serie A was ran by the Mafia in the 90s, so you can't use that as a yardstick, uh, says Avo. I don't know what that's about, but listen, the Mafia are sound. Uh, Stephen, if, if, if I need the Mafia, I listen, we think you are bleeding. Catch a poly Deep, deep lying player, Lothar Mateus. Now, Interesting, because Lothar Mateus spent the back end of his um, career at centre-half. No, he was playing Yeah, no, he, he didn't. He, he wandered in around there and he started doing sweeper messing and all. Do you know, yeah. do you know, what, do you know what, who definitely would have made it in? Do you remember your man that played for Germany around mid-90s? Euro 90s? Was it Mateus Sammer? He yeah, was he a fantastic the footballer. But yeah. he, he, injuries killed him, didn't he? Company. Yeah, come, I don't know how come. I don't know how come. <laughs> that's, that's, just, that's just people that give you the names. Gav, that's where I come up. Gav, oh, Gav, I didn't Gav, make up. Please, people think I made Gav, this up. Gav, Gav, before we finish up, please name and shame who voted in the lads group for company because I want to know. There was various people that voted for Vincent Company as a name. Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh is one because he's definitely got coronavirus and his head is down funny. <laughs> Joe Walsh. Joe Walsh has, um, he's running the country on his own now because the rest of his lads are going home so they don't catch it. Just that's, that's, that's the word on, on Big Joe. Um, Joe jo- have you seen, have you seen Joe on Twitter? <laughs> he's amazing, right? He's, he's asked for Simon Harris to shut all the pubs and it's happened. And then, uh, Davo had a problem with, on post because he hadn't got hand sanitizer. So we made Joe go out to him and say, lads, close the, close. the latest campaign was close the letterboxes. Um, but we think on post I bought soap now. So Davo's in work in the morning. It's great crack we're having, like absolutely amazing crack. Um, we we've done um we've done an eight minute clip um of that uh it's only for air use we can't put it online if you put it online we'd be sealed uh but it was really good crack so listen despite the coronavirus it's been amazing but lads he those, did pick company though didn't he um I, I'd say Joe did yeah and Grizz probably did as well Grizz um, absolutely did yeah because he's a, he's a muppet yeah but listen come here those two teams are, are genuinely shaping up really well aren't they that's five percent but the the tough choices come now in the next lot. Midfield and forwards. We've already had a row over the forwards there. No, you're not. You're not, you're not. have Rivaldo in ahead of Ronaldo, myself. So no, nah. you can't. The problem. The problem with Ronaldo and Messi is in the nobody's touching. Nobody them. goes near them. 
No. Nobody goes near them. And then Ronaldinho, if, if, if people remember back to just before the Ronaldo and Messi, nobody was even close to lacing what Ronaldinho was doing. Like he, Ali was outrageous. I'll go, back, I'll go back to the Schmeichel thing. He invents new tricks that we've never, like the no, the no look pass, you know, the thing that we think for being there, for me, it was great at the end of the He was doing that with like Rabonas. Yeah. And people had no idea. Nobody was, nobody, yeah. so many YouTube clips of him doing stuff that the other players literally have zero. Clue Do you remember he done the ad? Do you remember he done the ad where he was volleying off the crossbar and people thought yeah, it was real because yeah. he was that good? People yeah, going, it's definitely exactly. real, but it's definitely real. And you're like, and also he does the ridiculous trick in the best Nike ad of all time. I'll tell you how good Ronaldinho was. I'll tell you how good Ronaldinho was, right? Leo Messi for me is the best player I've ever seen, right? Um, People will argue Maradona. People will argue Cristiano Ronaldo. For, but for me, Leo Messi is the best footballer I have ever seen. Right? But Leo Messi is hated by Real Madrid. You know, he's hated by lots, lots of fans around the world simply because of who he plays for, who he is. Blah blah blah. It's natural. Ronaldinho went to the went to the Bernabeu one night, mm. right? And he tore Real Madrid a new arsehole. And I mean this in the in the literal sense. And Real Madrid clapped him off the pitch. Yeah. That's how good Ronaldinho yeah. was. He was fucking outrageous. And the he was. Just, he just didn't have the will to win but, like but, some of the other ones did. No, you know, the you know Messi and the Ronaldo. Keith, he was just he never, he never got away from the favela, the beach, the Coca-Cabana. He never got away from that. He just played football like that and laughed his yeah. way through it and then went, you're paying me grand because I'm on the lash now for three weeks. But we're playing next week. Well, I might be there. I don't know. You know, He was a modern-day George Best. That's what he was. Yeah, he was brilliant. Super. He was so good. But you know, lads, you're wrong when you say about the will to win. Maybe will to win is the is the wrong way of putting it. But he didn't. He played the way he played. He was too free spirited. Style of play was too much for free spirit and well, he won happy everything. and enjoyment. Oh, he did. He won an awful lot. But Leo this, Messi. This Leo so Messi comes through that Barcelona side with Ronaldinho oh, yeah. as as their number ten. Yeah. So Leo Messi's learning from Ronaldinho, yeah. and although he's, it, it's God given what Leo Messi has, don't tell me that Ronaldinho didn't have some influence on him wow, because Ronaldinho was just special. Didn't he? Didn't he score on his debut for Barcelona from about thirty yards out when he just lapped <laughs> it in the top corner? He got about fifty yards in goal, didn't he? he just went past about two far and just lamped it in the top corner. Like there was no calling it. Oh, he just tasty, mashed it into the top bin. He was like, it was unbelievable. <sighs> Every time I think of him, oh, do you remember David Seaman? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that was two thousand and two. Ronaldinho, when when nobody, not that he didn't rate him, but he just thought, like in that side, you had Ronaldo, you had um, Rivaldo, yeah. you know, you had the Nielsen in that side. Did you have the Nielsen in that side? The Maybe Nielsen he was ninety eight. Maybe he was ninety eight, not two thousand two. But Ronaldinho was seen as just this third wheel, you know. The three R's, you know, Ronaldo, Rivaldo, and Ronaldinho. Yeah, well, he, was seen as, he was seen as the third wheel, Phil. He was I, at that stage. I know, I know, I know. Like we could talk about centre backs, but when I, I, I beg anyone who doesn't realise how good Ronaldinho is, look yourself. You're quarantined, right? You can't go anywhere. Ignore, ignore, ignore. If if you're listening to this online and you're in England at the moment, to be honest with you, your government's fucked you all royally, right? So hide, right? Hide now, right? Hide because they've really fucked you up. So and while you're hiding. Get on YouTube and just type in Ronaldinho. There's about nine thousand hours worth of Ronaldinho highlights. He had his most one at Milan. Yeah, but everything is different. It's different. Mm. It's like the, the stuff there that even to this day 
other players, as good as Messi is and all this, none yeah. of them can even repeat the tricks that he's doing. The stuff he did with the ball, I've never, it's like the, you know the lads who do the tricks on the street for money, yeah. or you see them doing you like... You see the lads on YouTube, the, the, the yeah. F2 or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. yeah. freestyle. He was a real-life 11-a-side Ballon d'Or winner. Messer. Freestyler. Doing it in matches against yeah. elite yeah. defenders. Yeah, We're going way over time, but I like talking about Ronaldinho. Ella says Ronaldinho was the reason she started watching football. Amazing footballer. Stephen O'Connor says, great point, Ronaldinho was unbelievable. Um, let me see. Uh, you have to play a midfield diamond. There's too many good players as Kevin Sullivan. No, we're going to go with a three because we're going to make this as hard as we can. We can't be doing diamonds and two up front. Uh, we're going with a three. Um, whatever way you want to play that three is, is up to you when you're, when you're trying to make your vote. The votes for the midfield will be on tomorrow. It'll be three votes throughout the day. They all last two hours and tomorrow night will be on. I know Grizz will be on tomorrow night. Keith will probably be on. Phil might be available. Whoever's available will come on. I um, guarantee I guarantee Gerard will win a slot in that midfield. And uh, I argue he doesn't deserve him. Well, yeah. he may do. Start um, planning your alternatives. We'll have to mm. we'll have to wait and see. But look, it's been a brilliant show. Um I've loved reminiscing about all these old goalkeepers, defenders, right backs, left backs that were actually right backs, all that sort of stuff. And of course Ronaldinho, which you could just talk about all night. I'm sure it'll be the same when it comes to Messi Ronaldo and, and um Cristiano Ronaldo and whoever Zidane is probably gonna come up in this as we come along as well. But um yeah, that's a hard one, isn't it? Zidane is the one where you kinda of go, Oh yeah, he was good. Um, um, but he as I said, as I said, oh, he was outrageous as well. But as I said, there'll be three votes tomorrow. Um, we throughout the day we will try to get a lineup for a pod tomorrow night at ten o'clock. And again, we will go through the names that come up. Um, also, it'll be viewers choice and it'll be alternate choice as well. Phil, thanks a million Gav, for joining me. You Gav, tell it, yeah, Gav, is there just is there any chance maybe we could try figure out we could get two really good FIFA players, right? And instead of you doing a show one night. We could stream the two, oh, the the two, two teams, teams against each other. <laughs> against each other. Yeah. Right? Yes. See what the, the winner was. Yeah. Well, like, we're, we're innovating all week here because me and Keith started a Trippers band the other night. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've heard about this, Phil, but we started a band where people were telling us their instruments that they play. And we've decided if you play an instrument and you can feel you can learn a song on said instrument, when the coronavirus goes away, the Trippers are going to have a big session somewhere in Dublin where we just well, all come along, play our instruments and go on the lash. So, do you want to know? Do you want to know an interesting fact? Last on. Monday, when mm. I wasn't on the show, mm. I was in a rehearsal studio with our old friend and former podcasting colleague Stephen Daly, listening to his new band playing and doing the sound from. Really? And how did he yeah. get on? Well, I don't know. I haven't spoken to him since then. I think he's been in self isolation since but then. Were you listening? I was. Yeah, I, I actually have it recorded as well. Did he sound good? They sounded very good after I fixed their sound. Is Steve um, a lead singer? No. No, all right. Can you send me the, the, the recording? I can, yeah. Great stuff. Send Does he play the banjo or the recorder? He because the if car. he needs any, uh, no, he's a drummer. any recorders. He did take up the guitar for a little while, but uh, Steve did take up the guitar, but he's um, a drummer. What's the name of his new band, or can you tell, or is, this, is, it, um, is it not allowed? COVID-21. COVID-21. Nice one. Nice one. Uh, the club the club podcast last night was called Clubvid19. Uh, so um, it's all happening. But look, that's that's definitely the end of it. We're on way too long. Uh, Phil, thanks a million for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Grazie mille. Thanks a million there. Uh, Chiellini saying goodbye. Um, and uh, Keith, as always, thanks a million. And we will talk to you soon.
Pleasure as always. Good stuff. Thanks to everyone that uh, voted on the polls today. Uh, do again, do so again tomorrow when we throw out ridiculous um, four-person polls that Phil gets really upset about, goes down, breaks all sorts of lockdown rules, buys gin, buys wine, rings Steve-O and says, listen, you need your band and you need to get them in here quick because these fucking fellas are Egypt's. Uh, that's been it. That's been the Fatback Forward Eddie. Over and out. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. All this week on NBC4, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world. Tonight at 6. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. Sports Social Podcast Network.